If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Romans chapter 1, and we, uh, we're in part 3, and we're all the way to verse 9. Hallelujah. Man, we are just racing through this book. Amen. I love this book. And so I really want to give great attention to the book of Romans um, because it's, it's such a foundational book. It's, such, it's, it's so full from start to finish, and it really lays out the gospel for us, life in the spirit. And um, so that's why we need to really walk through it slowly. The person of the Lord Jesus, remember we talked last week how it's important that we know that he is the seed of David. That is so important that we know that, that Jesus... Jesus was, is God, and he is man. If he's not God, he can't save us, and if he's not man, he can't save us, all right? So he was the seed of David, and in that, and so there is a, on a molecular level, there is a, a mingling of the blood of man and the blood of God. He, had the, he was, uh, was the son of David according to the flesh. That's what the scripture says, but... We get our sin nature from mom or dad. Ladies, you should have said dad really like because it doesn't, like I said last week, you're carriers of it, but you're not infectious with it, right? It was Adam's seed. It was the seed of man. And Adam sowed a sinner seed and all our sinners after that. But praise God, Jesus didn't get Adam's seed. Jesus' father's seed was a sinless seed. See, that's why he had no sin nature. But a covenant is made when two share, when two shed blood, all right? So God and man, don't, don't, don't forget, because I'm telling you, there's some messed up theology that think that Jesus was just some alien in, pregnant, or in Mary's womb, right? And he had nothing to do with mankind. It, it cannot be. If, that's, if, if he's not God and if he's not man, then we don't have a covenant, all right? But we do have a covenant. God became a man. Okay, we have to go. What are we doing? Why are we reviewing all this? Okay, verse, let's just start at verse 8 because he just finished his greeting in verse 7. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Think about this before the internet. Uh, you can speak your faith for the whole world just by getting on Twitter. They didn't have that. They didn't have that luxury. They didn't have that convenience. All right? What that means is, in order for your faith to be spoken of throughout the world, that means your faith has to be doing something. All right? Faith in action. All right? Verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God, to come to you. Now, I want to just say something for a moment. Paul was not asking for things here that Jesus had already promised, but there are things in your life that you'll need to ask for, all right? That's called a relationship. That's called communication with God, all right? Now, he's given us these promises. These aren't things that we have to beg and, and Lord, if it be your will. Hey, if he said it's his will, then it is his will. That's, you just receive those things by faith. But there are maybe directions in your life or, or certain situations that come up where you need to know if that's the will of God. You need to come and ask him if that's his will, all right? And there is a time to pray if it is the will of the Lord. The scripture says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I mean, remember this, Paul had a call from Jesus to go to the Gentiles, right? 
He said, you're going to be a light to the Gentiles. Well, Paul just began to go in the direction of the Gentiles. And we talked about this when we covered uh, the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 16, he picks up Timothy and, uh, and they take off. And he takes off toward the Gentiles. I want to just read a few verses from 16 just so we remember what Paul's beginning there was. Now when they had gone to 16.6x, now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, even though they were Gentiles there. Right? But they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go there. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. What's he doing? He's guiding them as they go. He's figuring out what the will of the Lord is in the will of the Lord. <laughs> All right? So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia. Oh, so the Lord is telling him, it ain't starting over there, you must go west. Thank God for that, because the gospel came all the way over here to us, because he started there in the west. Went over to Macedonia, to the region of Philippi, and uh, the rest is history. Saw the vision, a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us, and that's when they got clear direction what is the will of God within the will of God? All right? Are you catching this? All right. Let's go back to verse 11 of Romans chapter 1. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. If you're taking notes, write this down. You are established by spiritual gifts. You are established by spiritual gifts. You know, the church is established in a lot of things today. It's established in education. It's, it's established as an institution. It's established in facilities. It's established in community activities. But the church is supposed to be established in spiritual gifts. And this seems to be, what's sad is, it, that, that is the cause of much of the contention and the division in the church. The very thing that establishes us. My dad was invited to a pastor's meeting years and years ago. It was a pastor's prayer meeting. And uh, so they, they gave them each a little card of the prayer agenda, like the list of things that they were going to cover for that day. And, and as he's reading along, down at the bottom, he notices just in small parentheses, no tongues, please. <laughs> no tongues. Because, you know, the idea was we don't want to offend anybody. And my dad thought, well, you offended me. Does, does that matter? <laughs> it is. It's just a constant contention, especially that tongues thing. I love speaking in other tongues. I know what it's done for my own life, but listen to this. A special or a spiritual gift, that word gift, listen to this. It means a favor which one receives without any merit of his own. A favor which one receives without any merit of his own. In other words, you don't buy gifts from people. You receive them. Right? Anybody ever given you or, 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 or have you ever given someone something and then they tried to buy it from you? Or, I mean, wouldn't that just be kind of insulting? Yes. No, I'm giving this to you. This is a gift. It is not earned. It's not of any merit. This is from me to you. Now, listen, I don't have anything against Santa Claus. I actually kind of like the whole Santa Claus story. I'm one of those preachers who is still a pagan, I guess. Um, but, I, I, I like, but I like who Santa Claus represents. I do because he actually represents 
a, a man of former times by who they ended up uh, calling Saint Nicholas, or he has all these, these different words, but he was a man who was anonymously benevolent to children less fortunate. But eventually the secret got out, right? And over the years, the story of Saint Nick evolved into this person that we all know as Santa Claus today. But one of the tragedies, I think, that this whole, this man's life and actually what he did and what people loved about him and uh, his giving and his benevolence kind of got buried under the rubble of a performance-based mentality. Think about it. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? So he's making a list. He's checking it twice. And he's going to find out Santa Claus is coming to town, and when he comes, he will render to each one his due. It's a lump of coal, or it's a toy. In other words, the Christmas gifts, kids, you got to earn them. And I think that's the tragedy of the story of Santa Claus. Gifts aren't earned. Gifts are received. Huh? Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar to us, though? Uh, Moses, uh, we don't really want to go up on that mountain with all that lightning and smoke and black smoke and all the thundering. You just go up there and you talk to God for us. As a matter of fact, if God could just give you a to-do list for us, we'll do everything that's on that to-do list. Just have him make a list, check it twice, and find out who's naughty or nice. So God did. God did. Ten simple little rules, which later became a lot more. But the foundation was, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any carved images of any created thing. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. And let me just say something for a moment. Notice he said to take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. So if the world's taking his name in vain, right. they just haven't accepted him as their God. Don't be so hard on them, all right? Just give them Jesus, all right? Love them. Preach the gospel to them, all right? Don't act like they have the same standards you do. Okay? They're not bound to righteousness yet. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. How do you remember the Sabbath day? Well, he said six days you shall work. And then you take one day off. Five, can anybody say it? Kids, all of you kids, honor. Come on, Laurel. Where's my daughter on this one? My son, no? Okay. Honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you, that your days may be long on the earth, right? You shall not murder. That's a good rule. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie to your neighbor. And you shall not covet. In other words, just in case you think you got the nine things down, I'm going to put in ten that says, don't even desire to do any of those things. Right. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I had all those nine down. <sighs> but my thoughts, too. Remember Jesus said, you say don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you commit adultery in your heart, it's the same thing. 
Don't you love how he always gets to the, for lack of a better term, heart of the matter? So we knew that. I mean, we just weren't made for rules. That's not how we were created. That's not why we were created. We were created to have fellowship and communion and communication and relationship with our God. The law is all about how you perform, but grace is free. 1 Corinthians 2.12 is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It says this, We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely or have freely been given to us by God. How have they been given to us? Come on, shout freely. 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 So the spirit of the world says, we hear it all the time, nothing is free. Nothing in this life is free. But the spirit of God says, freely you have received. Freely give. Glory to God. Okay, we got to keep moving. Verse 12. You guys all right? That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You know, there's something wonderful that happens in this moment right here in the gathering of God's people. I don't know about you, but every time I'm with you guys, I'm always encouraged. Now, I've gone to places that I regretted that I went there. You know what I'm talking about? Huh? But I cannot think of a time that I've ever regretted going to the house of God, meeting with his people. I I can't remember a time that I thought, wow, was that a waste of time. I always feel encouraged and blessed, and maybe I've got rose-colored glasses. I don't know. But that's just my personal feeling about it. I'm not saying all churches. I'm talking about this church. Now, I have been to some churches. Okay. But I'm just talking about being with you. I'm always always blessed and encouraged and strengthened by your mutual faith. And my assumption is you feel the same way, otherwise you wouldn't be here tonight. Amen? You had a good chance to shout amen there, but verse 13, now I do not want you to be unaware, listen to this, now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Think about this. He said, I was hindered. Paul, the apostle, was hindered. You ever wanted or felt like you wanted to do something that you thought maybe it was the will of God, but you felt hindered in doing it? You know, my first trip to India, which was in 2009, I went with uh, Daniel Plowman, a friend of our ministry, a prophet and a... And a, uh, an evangelistic crusader. This, this guy's amazing. So he asked me, do you want to go to India with me? I said, yeah. Now, I have to say, of all the places on planet Earth that I've wanted to go, India is at the bo- was at the bottom of that list, very close to the bottom of that list, because my brother had already kind of tainted my thinking toward India. When years ago, when we owned a music store down in San Marcos, and he left on a mission trip and left me there to run the business while he went, and he came back with nothing good to say about India. And he, uh, he was up in the, the northern part in uh, Islamabad. And um, uh, so it was, he just had an awful time. He said, I mean, back then he did lots of mission work, but he said, I am definitely not called to go back to India ever. You know, so, I, uh, okay, I'll take your word for it. 
And in 2009, I get asked to go by my friend Daniel, and I simply go because I love him, not because I really want to go to India. So we get, and we, we make this, our first plane uh, ride was from Dallas to Chicago, from Chicago to New Delhi, from New Delhi down to Chennai. And when we get to Chennai, we're upstairs, and they've got this Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's a whole different experience than our Kentucky Fried Chicken. I think it was chicken. The fact that it was battered and fried, I, you know, whatever. It probably killed whatever would have hurt me. So we, we, we're eating there, and then Daniel says, oh, we need to go down to the, to the gate. Oh, it's time for our board to plane. So our pla- it's time for us to board the plane. Forgive me. Need one more cup of coffee. So we grab our bags, and we're heading toward the gate, and the man at the gate is waving us on. And our plane is sitting right out there on the top. It's just one of those little prop planes, you know. And he's waving us to, so, you know, we come up, and it's, it's still maybe a couple of minutes before, you know, we're still a little bit ahead of schedule. So just as we get to the door, he says, too late. I said, too late? The plane's right there. No, sorry, you're too late. Look at the clock. Sorry, too late. We had to buy brand new tickets. Had to just forget those. I cannot tell you the level of anger that I saw Daniel Plowman. I've never seen him really all that upset, but this evangelist almost lost all of the anointing in this moment. (laughs) I mean, he was really struggling. And, And then I heard him say, maybe we shouldn't have come. And I thought, it's kind of late for that. It's kind of late for that. Here's this hindrance. And I started questioning it. I started thinking, yeah, I should have never come to India. I should have listened to my brother. You know, all those thoughts come. So then we decided, okay, all right, we're in Chennai. We've got one more airport to get to. Uh, All right, let's just go. So we sucked it up, went over and bought new plane tickets. Thank God they're a lot cheaper there than they are here. And we're able to board the plane. And it was just frustrating. Finally, we get there. And then we get to the airport. The pastor meets us. And we think that we've got about maybe 30 minutes to get there. And it was a two-and-a-half-hour ride. Not on a good road ever to get down to where we were. So we finally end up where we are. We're exhausted. We're tired. And the next day, we start this pastor's conference. That night, I get back to my motel, and I'll, I have my phone with me, and it, I'm only using the Internet. There's no phone service. I didn't have one of those kind of phones where you could just use email, but I, I did have Internet, so I would email my wife every night and check on, on how everything was going. So she sends me this email and tells me that I had a cousin that drowned in the Red River saving four kids' lives. A very, it's not just any cousin. I mean, this girl was like a sister to me. Uh, she actually lived with our family for a period of time uh, in our lives when she was a little girl. I mean, I just thought, golly, I should not have come on this trip. I mean, this has just been one thing after another after another. And, uh, and so I, I was very close to just getting a ticket and coming home. And I just felt the Lord speak to me and say, stay here. Stay here. Just stay. I mean, it was just about that simple. And when I had the peace of God on me to stay, I emailed my wife back and said, I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to press on. So, uh, and that was tough. 
the next day, after our morning sessions at the pastor's conference, I'm sitting up in this, this, this room, and, and it was, that part was really nice. The, the windows were open and the, the ocean. I mean, this is the very southern tip of India. The ocean's out there, and this little breeze is coming through, and they're serving us some tea and, and uh, biscuits or cookies, whatever that is. And my phone gives me an alert, and it was a text message. Now, this isn't iMessage. This, wasn't, this, this was a, uh, an Android. Yeah. And I thought, how did I get a text message? I don't even have phone service here. And it was a text message from one of my other cousins who was attending my cousin's funeral, and she said, I just want everybody to know that I love you, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we'll, um, we all need to see each other more often, and all those kinds of things. And I'm looking at this text, and it strengthened me so much because I thought, there's no way I should have got a text message sitting here in India except somehow she sent this message out and an angel of God carried this message all the way across, halfway across the world to make sure it got to my phone to let me know that God is with me in this thing. Amen. That's the only thing I could chalk it up. It was just miraculous. If it happened to Paul that he was hindered, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> be encouraged. The devil will hinder and he can hinder, but he can't stop you. All right? He can't stop you. The spirit of a conqueror lives in you. Huh? This is where you have to... So don't be surprised when you're hindered. Listen to me. This is when you set your eyes on him, the affection of your love, the author and the finisher of your faith. The devil's not your finisher. Jesus is your finisher. All right? He doesn't determine when you, when you go, when you stop. Jesus determines that. All right? He's your end. He's your beginning. So that means the enemy can't stop you, though he hinders and he will. Don't forget, he's here to steal, to kill, and to destroy, which all that means is he's here to hinder you. However he can, but he can't stop you. Amen. If you won't allow him, because you have the victory. Remember, this is a fixed fight. The race is already won. It's a fixed fight. All you got to do is show up. Amen. All you have to do is show up. It's done. Glory to God. Amen. All right. Let's go to 14, verse 14. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. This is such a sweet, sweet verse coming from this dear apostle to us. Do you know who the barbarians are in this chapter, in this verse here? Look around you. You're looking at them. Go ahead. Take a look at all the barbarians in this room. These were any of the people of the, the northern tribes, the Germanic tribes, uh, or, you know, from Eastern Europe. And the people of the Mediterranean in that day called people like us barbarians. Now, they didn't call the Spanish people that. Any Spaniards here? Any Viva la Raza? Nobody? Happy Cinco de Mayo? No, you're not here? Okay. All right. Well, nobody. No, where are the brown people in this room? All right. <laughs> not you, you're black. I'm looking for the brown people. I'm looking for the Hispanoramos. Where are you? Huh? Right? They, they weren't called barbarians. Right? But 
because their, their language rolls, you know. It was mostly really white people or black people that they referred to as barbarians. Now, the reason why they were called that was because of their choppy and short words and sentences like, I am going to town. And to these Mediterranean ears, they interpreted it as bar, bar. That's what they would say, bar, bar. <laughs> Think I'm kidding. This is exactly, this is history. Bar, bar. That's what it sounded like to them because their language flowed. So, you know, when I was a kid in southern Oklahoma, we weren't around people of color. We were a town of 200 white people, somewhere around there. So when we went to, my parents enrolled us in a little school in Gainesville, Texas, Gainesville Christian Academy, and uh, started there in the third grade. And lo and behold, this brown kid was there. It was my first, I mean, it was, well, actually, my parents had gone to Christ for the Nations, but we, we really didn't get out of that realm much. So, so this boy named Gabriel, do you remember Gabriel, Jennifer? Remember Gabriel? Remember how brown he was? And how, and I just remember I was enthralled with this. I, I, this was totally out of my world. I mean, this guy was my connection to the rest of the world, right? Gabriel at Gainesville Christian Academy. It was, now I, I look back at that kid who I was then and just think just how little I knew about life and people and it's extraordinary. But I mean, he was really mesmerizing to all of us white kids. And I can remember we, we were going on a field trip, and we got on the bus, right? And, and it's got these bench seats. Back then, the kids didn't buckle up or anything, right? So I'm, I've got my, I'm on my knees, and I'm just staring at Gabriel. I'm looking backwards in the seat, right? And he's sitting right behind me. And the two other kids are right with me, and we're all looking at the Mexican kid. And so I was just trying to figure out what to say. And I said, Gabriel, and I looked at the bus, say bus in Spanish. He looks at me and says, bus in Spanish. <laughs> I guess I got what I had coming to me there. But uh, the barbarians were... <sighs> Paul said, I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians. They made, I mean, they made such a big distinction between the Greeks or the, the Mediterranean, people of the Mediterranean and barbarians. And, and, and you know, people have seg segregated and segmented themselves from one another for centuries. This is no new thing. And that's what, racism has got to be one of the stupidest things ever between humans. Amen. I mean, think about it. We're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, Right? But we're sons and daughters of Noah, which is only like 4,000 years ago. Racism is ludicrous. I'm not talking about what they define as racism today, that if you disagree with someone of another color, you're a racist. That has nothing to do with racism. Talking about this hatred and this ignorance that is still in the world today. And you know what? As long as people cry, peace, peace. The only one that can bring the peace is the Prince of Peace himself. Amen. And he will. That's right. And he will. But we as the church have got to 
take the lines of division out of the way. I like the way, I like the way uh, our friend Pastor Charles says. He says, don't draw lines of division, draw circles of love. That's so good. Hmm? Draw circles of love. And you're going to find out that in your circle that you've invited people into, you might have people in your circle of love, but you're not in their circle of love. Love them anyway. You could never go wrong in just simply loving one another. Amen. Can I get a good amen on that? It's just, let me just say something. I want to just maybe help you a little bit. Charles Darwin, who we teach in our school today, was a raging racist. One of the biggest purveyors of racism and pervert of our time. His whole doctrine was that the African people were on the bottom of the scale and the white man was at the top. They're teaching this guy stuff in our schools, ladies and gentlemen, like he's some hero. And the same people that are crying out, we need to get rid of prejudice and racism, are supporting Darwinism. What is wrong? Hmm? Margaret Sanger. You know who Margaret Sanger was? The founder of Planned Parenthood? She did that, and she was an advocate for birth control to get rid of black people. That was the whole idea. Personal friends with Hitler. That was the whole idea of Planned Parenthood, and our government is funding Planned Parenthood. The Southern Baptist Convention started its root, its very beginning started because they wanted to continue to own slaves. So they broke off and started the Southern Baptist Convention. My Southern Baptist brothers would not want to talk about that today. But that's not a very good beginning to your organization, sir. It's ridiculous. Paul says, I am a debtor, both to the civilized and the uncivilized. Because in the eyes of God, there is no male nor female. There is no black, no white, no brown. There is no Jew. There's no Greek. But the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm sorry, I don't mean to rant so much, but America needs help. And that's what we are here to do. We can't just be saying all the problems, what's wrong with We've got to bring the solution. The gospel is the solution. The gospel is the solution. Are you hearing me? I said the gospel is the solution. That's why as long as you're here, as long as I'm here, you're going to continue to hear me say over and over and over again, Christ died for our sins. That is, he died for everything that went wrong with us. He was buried and he carried our sins far away at that burial. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. One of the problems with the church today, it's all it can see is the sin, and it wants to preach on the sin, 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 sin. Talk about how lost this world, how terrible things are. Pardon me, I think, I'm pretty sure the, the, my job is, our job is to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Hey, preacher, come on, man. Keep the main thing the main thing. Let's not, let's not forget, we're going to see later on in Romans chapter 1, people know they're sinners. They're without excuse because we're all born, made in the image of God. And there's that gaping hole. For me to tell somebody is a sinner is to be quite redundant. What they need to hear me say is Christ died for your yes. sins. He died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again. Believe on him. Everything that's wrong in your life. He died for that. And you're going to hear the gospel over and over because not only, you don't just need to hear the gospel once. Look at this, 15. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Now, are these sinners he's preaching to? Are these unbelievers? No, remember in the very beginning he called them saints. All right? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. And we need to hear that because the gospel has everything in it that we need. In the gospel is not only salvation, but it's deliverance, it's restoration, it's healing, it's prosperity, it's blessing and favor upon your life. In the gospel is everything. And look, at, look at verse 16. i got to finish with this. You guys, are, you guys are a great class tonight. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Not just the power of God to salvation, but to everyone who believes it is the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first, and also to the McKinneyanites. And also for the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Not in the law, in the gospel. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now think about this. In the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, let me help you tonight. For some of you who may struggle in feeling, feeling like you, you, have, you would have a hard time witnessing to someone or telling someone the gospel, maybe uh, just for fear and not knowing what, you know, for fear of not knowing what you're doing. Listen to me. I've told you the gospel. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Believe on him. You receive everlasting life. We have to keep the gospel what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. All right? That's, Paul tells us what the gospel is. All right, now listen to me. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation. So it's not your job to get people saved. It is your job to preach the gospel that saves. All right? The pressure's not on you. Oh, I didn't say a prayer with them so they didn't get saved. No, 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 no. Stop that. That's, that's just religion all over again. Listen to me. It's the, don't you remember Peter was preaching at Cornelius' house? This is our beginnings. The very first Gentile convert found in Acts chapter 10. 
He's preaching the gospel. It says, to him all the prophets witness, in verse 43, to him all the prophets witness that whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. Verse 44 says, and as, he was, as Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and as many as came with Peter were astonished, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now Jesus said... These signs will follow believers. One of those signs is they'll speak in new tongues. Unbelievers don't speak in tongues. This is a sign of the believer. These people went from being lost in their sin, hearing the gospel, and the next thing that happens, they're speaking in tongues. They didn't say the sinner's prayer. I'm not against that. Just hear what I'm saying. If we're not careful that we, we formulate how people get saved and we, we, we do the, the gospel and injustice, it is the power of God. It's a declaration. It's a message that must fall on man's ears. You can't do what the gospel can do, but you can bring it. You can speak it. You can declare it. That is what we are called to do. Go and preach the gospel. That's why I assume every time we have church, I don't know everybody in the building, but I assume every time I declare the gospel, somebody gets saved because it's not my job to save them. It's my job to give them the gospel. Are you hearing? Does this help you tonight? All right, so this ought to encourage you that no matter where you go to just share your faith, share your story, and preach that simple gospel message of God's love. You never know what is going on in the heart of someone. We just have to be faithful to do what we can in declaring that great message. All right? Because we're all preachers. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you're a preacher. All right? All right, tell them right back. You're a preacher too. We're all preachers. All right? We might not all do this right here, but you have a neighborhood, you have coworkers, you have friends, you have family, you have a, a sphere of, of a realm of people that you are around a lot, and God puts you there to open up your mouth and tell them about him. All right? Be bold. Be courageous in that. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you that it is by no other name by which men can be saved, but by the name of Jesus. We thank you that Jesus did everything for us to come into a true, right, living relationship with Almighty God. That he did die for our sins so that we don't have to. Hallelujah. He died for them so that we don't have to die from them. He was buried. And in so being buried, hallelujah, everything that was contrary to us was buried and put away. And he rose again from the dead, signifying that all who believe on him, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The fact that Jesus is raised from the dead means our faith is real. It's real. Our God is real. Hallelujah. And he loves us. His love is real. And Lord, we thank you for that. I thank you, God, for all the opportunities that we have. We just need to see those opportunities. We need to seize those opportunities. Because, Father, you love this world so much that you gave Jesus to this world. You gave Jesus to us. Help us to see that. Help us, Lord, to be givers of that gift of Jesus wherever we go. This world so desperately needs to hear the good news. 
Thank you, Father God. Let us not assume that it's being done, but to act like it depends on us. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your blessing upon your people here tonight. And I declare over them that they are blessed wherever they go and everything their hands touch shall prosper. Father, you have made them to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath first, not last. Victors, no longer victims. I declare over their children that their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. I declare in Jesus' name that they shall be far from terror and from evil. It shall not even come near them because they are established in righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, that you are with them. You are a very present help in time of need. You give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. And the, the blood of the everlasting covenant cleanses them and covers their life. Father, I thank you that they live in the reality of your promises, God. And Lord, that they, they live in the reality of your love, God, that perfect love that casts out all fear. Hallelujah. That they'll be bold and courageous like lions wherever they go. Lord, ready, ready to share the good news, Lord. Always, though, always seasoned with grace. Always. Thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.